Ranger fans, welcome to Blue Shirt Radio. I'm Jim Cerny. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm glad you're back with us because this is really the off-season now. It's been more than a week since the Rangers were eliminated by the Ottawa Senators in the Eastern Conference semifinals. And, and by the way, just as an offshoot here, how do you feel about watching the Ottawa Senators right now leading the Pittsburgh Penguins two games to one in the Eastern Conference Final and seeing Pittsburgh score only three goals in the first three games and seeing them struggle with that Ottawa trap and see Ottawa jump all over them in game three up in Ottawa uh, just on, on Wednesday night. How does that make you feel, Ranger fans? I don't know. I would think that it would make you feel like, oh boy, major opportunity lost for the New York Rangers by not advancing out of the semifinals and not taking on what appears to be a very tired and certainly a very beat up and injury ravaged Pittsburgh Penguins team in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, if you weren't mad last week, last week's show, which was uh, we broadcasted a couple days after the Rangers were eliminated by the Ottawa Senators, if you weren't mad then and furious then, I'd argue that you're probably angrier now. You're more ticked off now because you see what Ottawa's doing to Pittsburgh in the Eastern Conference Final. I, I had some fans uh, send me messages this week and tweet to me this week and say, well, you know what, you know, if Ottawa beats Pittsburgh, then we can say that we lost to the team that went to the Stanley Cup final, maybe even wins the Stanley Cup. In fact, I had uh, some fans say, uh, uh, send me messages and say, hey, it could be two years in a row that we lose to the Stanley Cup champion and everything. No, 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 no. That is just making yourself feel good about the incredible missed opportunity that the Rangers had in this postseason. A flawed team and as flawed a team as the Rangers are and were throughout the season. Bottom line is there is no perfect team in these Stanley Cup finals right now. Everyone's got their flaws. Nobody's perfect. And the Rangers are really ruining the day right now, seeing how tired and beat up Pittsburgh looks. They have to be ruining the day, kicking themselves that they're not in the Eastern Conference Final. And I would think you as a Ranger fan feel the same way as well. In any case, you're really going to run the show today because you have been fantastic this entire week, tweeting me your questions and comments about the Rangers, uh, what they should do at the NHL level, a lot of things uh, to do with prospects, a lot of commentary and questions about some of the Rangers' top prospects and where they might fit in next year, in the near future, or even the distant future uh, in this organization. So we're going to get to a lot of that. Certainly, you're going to have your voice heard on this week's edition of Blue Shirt Radio. Uh, joining me on the show today will be the voice of the Hartford Wolfpack, Bob Crawford. So we'll be able to break down uh, the changes that have just been made and announced within the last week. Uh, Chris Drury is the new general manager of the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, Kenny Jernander is out after 10 years as head coach of the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, so we'll discuss that here at the top of the show, uh, but we'll also discuss it with Bob Crawford, the longtime voice of the Hartford Wolfpack in just a little bit. And we'll also ask him some questions as well about 
about some of the top prospects down there. Who are the top prospects? Are there players ready to move into the NHL level? We'll get to all of that in just a little bit uh, with Bob Crawford. Scott Charles is taking the week off. A little vacay, a little rec time for him, a little R&R after a long season. So uh, Scott taking today off. What a day, by the way, to take the day off. We're in the 90s. The sun is out, not a cloud in the sky. It feels like the middle of free agency, you know, the middle of the summer, July 1st. That's what it feels like right now as we jump almost almost skipping spring, jumping straight from winter into the summer here. And Rangers well into their offseason. Now more than a week since being eliminated by the Ottawa Senators. And, uh, you know, let, let's kick it off with this. Let's start with the actual news in the organization this week. Chris Jury named as general manager of the Hartford Wolfpack. And really, this is just another sign of what a rising star Chris Jury is, both in the Rangers organization and as a young front office executive. He's only been in the front office a couple years with the Rangers. Last year, he was already promoted to assistant GM. Now he's assistant GM of the Rangers and general manager of the Hartford Wolfpack. So, uh, you know, he really is uh, getting the opportunity to shape the future of this organization, playing a big role there. Uh, Jim Schoenfeld remains as an assistant GM with the Rangers uh, and is certainly a very important uh, voice in that front office. But he had been the longtime GM of the Wolfpack. Now the Rangers get a, a fresh voice, a fresh set of eyes after a couple years of evaluating what's going on uh, at the minor league level and, and with the prospects. Chris Drury now uh, gets, a, gets a much bigger role in shaping what takes place at the minor league level and helping those guys progress to the NHL level. And of course, hand in glove with that is now he's going to have to hire a head coach. Kenny Jernander, really, his name is synonymous with the Rangers farm clubs, uh, first with the Binghamton Rangers, and then, of course, with the Hartford Wolfpack, then came the Connecticut Whale, and now they're back to being the Wolfpack again. You know, Kenny Jernander is one of the great players in American Hockey League history, was one of the great players, great minor league players in Rangers history, was captain there, uh, became an assistant coach for a couple of years, and, of course, a longtime 10-year head coach of the Hartford Wolfpack. Now, it's hard to judge a minor league head coach on wins and losses and championships and all that because really it's about developing prospects. And if you look at some of the prospects that have come through there, you'd have to argue that Kenny and his staff did a pretty good job considering what they were given to work with. If you're looking at wins and losses and championships and all that, obviously that's not the case. Uh, Hartford, I believe it's four out of their last five years, did not make the playoffs this past year. was a real ugly season on the ice for, for the Wolfpack. Really a defensively deficient team this past year. But again, I don't know how much you hang that on the head coach. Uh, of this minor league team as opposed to the personnel that he's working with. A lot of real young, raw kids uh, that he's just trying to develop and bring along. Um, and, you know, in the past, you know, he worked, he coached some teams that had more of those AHL veterans and they had better success and more wins uh, than losses and, you know, some playoff success uh, because they loaded up with AHL veterans. 
Certainly not so much the last couple of years. Certainly not the case uh, this past year. And again, we'll get more into that with Bob Crawford from the Hartford Wolfpack in, in just a little bit. Are you excited about the world championships? I kind of laugh about this. Uh, you know, I used to work for the Rangers organization, so I, I understand the mindset. You get knocked out of the playoffs no matter how good a run it was, whether it was a short run, a long run, a disappointing ending like it was this year. One of the things you quickly do is flip the page, change the narrative. And so you see that's what the New York Rangers are doing now on their social media and on their website. And, and I get it. I used to work there, so I know that's the plan. It, the focus and, you know, two days after the Rangers were eliminated, they had their uh, breakup day. You know, all the interviews were out there. Here's what Henrik Lundqvist had to say. Ryan McDonough, Landvin Yo on down the line. And then, boom, it's like the playoffs never happened. Because now it's all about the world championships. And, hey, Kevin Hayes scored twice against Russia for Team USA. And Brady Shea's playing there. And Henrik Lundqvist is playing with his brother, who's the captain of Team Sweden. And, and you know, Henrik's won his first two starts for Sweden. You know, great. But as a Ranger fan, you tell me. Tweet at me this week, at Jim Cerny. You let me know. Do you care? Do you really care what these guys are doing at the world championships? Or are you still chapped that Henrik didn't play to the level that he played at in the first round, in the second round against Ottawa? You're more chapped about that. Do you care that he's doing well or that he's playing with his brother for Sweden? Or it might be his last go-round playing for Sweden. I'm curious. I just want to know what, what you guys think. Um, you know, I know it's more important what they do for the Rangers, but, but do you care what they're doing at the World Championships right now? Does it mean anything? You know, does Kevin Hayes play well for Team USA and head into the summer on a more positive note after his last quarter of the regular season was kind of up and down, iffy, not so great? And then in the playoffs, he struggled mightily and went without a goal the entire postseason. So does this somehow save, you know, the end of his season? You know, does he head into the summer on a better footing? I'd argue not. But you know what? You always want some sort of positive to hold on to. And hey, if U.S. medals and Hayes plays a big role in that, all right. Maybe he's got a little something, you know, then to hang his hat on. All right. At least I didn't end the season on that Ottawa series and not scoring a goal in the playoffs. I mean, that's the bigger story. But I get to an extent that finishing well, finishing strong, there's a little bit of a side benefit to that. But I'm curious from a fan's point of view if you care or not. Do you care what these guys do at the World Championships? I remember my last year in the Rangers organization, how we pumped up Nicholas Jensen, who played for Denmark. Denmark was kind of a surprise last year in the World Championships. Jensen was great. He had a couple highlight real goals, if you remember. Um so you played that up because switched the narrative. It was no longer about getting blown out by Pittsburgh in the first round of the playoffs. It was now about, hey, let's look to the future. And here's this guy, Nick Jensen, and he's going to be fighting for a roster spot, you know, come training camp time. And boy, is he having a great world championship. So yeah, it's just interesting. And I get it. You know, listen, that's what a team's got to do from a PR point of view. And, and listen, fans do care you know, they want to see, hey, what's the next wave doing like Jensen last year? 
wow, you know, is he a real prospect? Uh, and you know what? Again, we'll get to that in a little bit. So we'll talk about Nick Jensen, who's a restricted free agent coming off a 32-goal uh, season with the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, we'll ask Bob Crawford about him because I know a lot of fans are asking questions about uh, Nick Jensen, among other prospects for the New York Rangers. We'll also talk a lot about Ryan Gropp a little bit later on in the show. His year. He's heading to the Memorial Cup right now uh, as his team gets out of the uh, the Western Hockey League playoffs, Western Hockey League champions. Um, so we'll get into Ryan Gropp's season. We had a lot of back and forth and, and a lot of opinions on Twitter this week about Ryan Gropp. Who, you know, listen, let's face it, Rangers traded up to get him in the second round a couple years ago. This is a guy, you can argue both sides of the fence about where he's going to be going as a professional and as a possible NHL player down the road. So uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. And, you know, let's start off some of the tweets and commentary from the fans with this. Because Alain Vigneault continues to be a lightning rod. So many fans are still furious with Vigneault and believes that he should be out as head coach. Right now, it's not even a conversation for Jeff Gordon in the front office. Alain Vigneault was signed uh, to a contract extension. He's not going anywhere as head coach. So he's in. He's locked in. No matter what names you throw at me, I'm telling you that Alain Vigneault is the head coach when training camp starts next year. But Matthews offers up a legit argument here. He says, or brings up a legit question. Matthew says, why not fire A.V. and hire Daryl Sutter, someone that's proven that he can win a cup, something that Alain Vigneault, for all of his regular season successes and all the president's trophies and some deep runs in the postseason, has never been able to achieve. And then piggybacking that, Roger Paddock tweets at me, just says, or Dan Bilesma. There's another Stanley Cup winning coach that's looking for a job right now. Let me... Kind of break that down. Again, it's not going to happen. Bilesman's not going to be the Ranger head coach. Sutter's not going to be the Ranger head coach. It's going to be Alain Vigneault uh, when they open camp next year. But that said, it's a legit argument. Daryl Sutter certainly has proven you know, his mettle. Uh, he's certainly you know, winning two cups in three years with those LA Kings. But you have to wonder right now if he's the fit. For the New York Rangers. And this is total hypothetical because, again, Alain Vigneault is the head coach and he's not going anywhere. But Daryl Sutter, with the current crop of players that the New York Rangers have, would he even be the right fit? Yes, he's got the two rings. But this is a vastly different team. And the game is played a vastly different way than in 2012 and 2014 when the Kings won the Stanley Cup. He liked those big, heavy teams, big, heavy players that just hammered you, wore you down. It's not that way anymore. It's not the plotting NHL anymore. And boy, the Kings learned their lesson the last couple of years about how the NHL has changed. Sutter's not the fit. He's got the rings. He wouldn't be the fit, even if the Rangers were considering making a move. The Rangers have gone out. Jeff Gordon has gone out. And put this team together as the head coach coaches it. He's put this team together with the type players that fits the style, the preferred style that the head coach wants to play. And so 
if you replace the coach, which the Rangers aren't doing, how many more times do I have to say that? But if they made the change, it would almost have to be a similar head coach because the Rangers have invested so much in bringing along players that fit this coach's style, that up fast, up tempo type game. It's not a plotting big physical team that Daryl Sutter likes. And as far as Dan Bilesma is concerned, he won the cup in Pittsburgh, certainly did a great job there. He didn't win a cup after that, and he had some brutal playoff losses along the way there. Then he goes to Buffalo, and he's run out of town in two years. His best player wants nothing to do with him in Jack Eichel. Don't think that right now, Bilesma has that golden touch that you think is going to put the Rangers over the top to win a Stanley Cup. So Matthew and Roger gets us get us underway here on Blue Shirt Radio. Look, get a little debate going, and we'll get more into your questions and player personnel questions. Is Ilya Kovalchuk a possibility for the Rangers? Are the Rangers going to buy out Dan Girardi or Mark Stahl? We'll get to all of it. Up ahead, though, next, we're going to chat with Bob Crawford from the Hartford Wolfpack right here on Blue Shirt Radio. Blue Shirt Radio is brought to you exclusively by Blue Shirt Bulletin, the only independent monthly magazine covering New York Rangers hockey. Since 1991, no outlet has provided more comprehensive coverage of all things Blue Shirts, including locker room and game coverage, prospects analysis, minor league news, and exclusive features from those closest to the team, such as MSG Network's Stan Fischler and yours truly, Jim Cerny. Be sure to visit BlueShirtBulletin.com to subscribe today or check out their brand new app available in all app stores on all platforms and devices to take Blue Shirt Bulletin with you wherever you go. Welcome back to Blue Shirt Radio. I am Jim Cerny, and we're talking a lot about the prospects and the future New York Rangers. And to that end, we welcome aboard the voice of the Hartford Wolfpack, Bob Crawford, the Hawk himself, joining us on Blue Shirt Radio. Bob, how are you, buddy? Good, Jim. How are you? I'm doing real well. I know I asked you this off the air. Tell the truth now. Are you sitting right now with a tall, cool drink on some beautiful beach in Connecticut? It is awesome out there. Yeah. Terrific, terrific weather. It's been, uh, uh, there really hasn't been any spring up until the last two days, but uh, a beautiful uh, summer-like day today, and uh, I'm, I'm not actually uh, at the beach, but uh, I kind of feel like I might be uh, compared to what the weather was like before uh, today and yesterday. <laughs> to say the least. Now listen, some big news around the team um, that we'll get to in a second. And also, uh, we have a lot of questions from the fans about some of the guys and their performances this past season with Hartford. So a lot of different avenues to go with you. But 
Let's start with uh, the fact that Ken Jernander was let go as head coach of the Wolfpack uh, during this past week. Uh, One of the real good guys, obviously somebody you know real well, somebody that is just in tight with that community, not only with the Hartford organization where he was you know, a great player and a captain and an assistant coach and a longtime head coach. Um, But it really had a deep tie to that community as well. And I know he's somebody that you know very, very well. I guess your your thoughts on Kenny Jernander now leaving the Hartford Wolfpack organization. Yeah, it's it's certainly tough for me personally. Uh, Kenny and I go back to even before there was a Wolfpack a couple of years in Binghamton, when uh, the the, Rain, the Binghamton Rangers were uh, uh, the Rangers uh, AHL affiliates, so it's uh, it's kind of hard for me to conceive of the Wolfpack uh, or really the the Rangers AHL affiliate without Kenny Jernander. It's been so long, and uh, you know, as you know from being around different teams, uh, you can't possibly uh, spend that much time in, in close quarters with a guy like that and, and not uh, feel real close to him and uh, feel like. Uh, you know, you have a relationship uh, beyond uh, just a working relationship. And uh, you know, he and I shared a lot of dinners on the road and uh, uh, a lot of beers and, and all that kind of good stuff and, and a lot of uh, hockey talk and, and non-hockey talk. And I'm, I'm just hoping at this point, uh, uh, selfishly, personally, that, that I still get a chance to uh, uh, to interact with him on a, a regular basis. It, it sounds like, he, as you mentioned, he's really dug in here in the, in the Hartford area community. Uh, he and I both moved here with the Binghamton Rangers in 1997, and uh, we were both fairly newly married with uh, no kids. And uh, now uh, we both have uh, kids headed to college, and, and basically our our families have uh, grown up here. So uh, it sounds as though, at least for the short term, uh, Kenny and his family are going to uh, stay around here. And, and I'm just, uh, like I said, hopeful that uh, I can stay in contact with them because uh, – uh, when I assess personally uh, my career and, and uh, my life over the last 20 years, uh, there aren't uh, uh, too many more steady presences in it than uh, than a guy like Ken Jernander. Well said, and certainly you know him a lot better than I do, but I was fortunate uh, fortunate enough to get to know Kenny real well over, you know, I'd say the last 10 years or so and, and got to interact with him quite a bit. And uh, good man, he, very dry sense of humor. I'll give, give, give you that. He can be give you the most serious look, and give you the most dry sense of humor, which I got to tell you, I kind of like. So, And tremendously you know, successful, too. I, I know you put out a tweet recently. You said you were just kind of you know, going through some stats and adding some things up, and you're like, wow, you know, not only is this guy one of the you know, great players in American Hockey League history, but if I'm correct, if I'm re- remembering the tweet correctly, the sixth winningest head coach in a- AHL history as well? Yeah, that's right. He's. I mean, when you look at just longevity with one franchise, uh, uh, no matter what level you're talking about, uh, there aren't too many guys that have been with one franchise for as long as Kenny had, and, and that's a big part of it. Uh, uh, he certainly had a, a few lean, lean years uh, as of late, but uh, his first several behind the bench uh, were terrifically successful, and then uh, a couple of years ago in 14-15, uh, team caught fire late in the season, ended up going all the way to the conference finals and, and uh, losing out uh, to a, a team in the Manchester Monarchs that was uh, certainly a team of destiny uh, for that season. So, yeah, he, he uh, ranks right up there with uh, with a lot of the most successful coaches uh, of all time in the AHL. Uh, 
NHL and if he uh, remains uh, an AHL coach uh, over the course of uh, you know, the the, uh, the upcoming uh, future here, he's uh, he's likely to uh, catch John Anderson as the fifth uh, of winning a stage AHL coach of all time. So that's some it's a pretty rarefied air, and uh, you know I don't think anybody who's uh, around him for a long time uh, would. Uh, wouldn't be impressed by uh, you know the dedication he puts into the job. I think uh, uh, he, he certainly uh, takes everything to heart as far as uh, uh, the success of the team and, and more importantly the, the success of the individual players as far as, as uh, trying to help them become better and and become more successful. So uh, yeah, I get, in coaching, any coach will tell you you're hired to be fired, but. Uh, uh, you know, to, have, to have 10 years behind the same bench in, in any league is, is pretty darned impressive. And, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, Kenny, Kenny would never uh, self-promote, but I think if you, if you injected him with uh, truth serum, he would, uh, he would tell you he's pretty proud of that. So the shakeup in Hartford continues to the front office as well. Uh, Jim Schoenfeld has been the, the long-tenured general manager of the Wolfpack, as well as being the Rangers' assistant GM. He's relinquished his duties in Hartford. He's going to continue, of course, with his duties uh, within the Rangers organization, focusing more on the NHL. And Chris Drury, who is a real rising star among front office executives and is moving rapidly up the ranks within the the Rangers organization these last two years is now going to head up uh, the Hartford Wolfpack and be the GM of the Wolfpack. I guess your thoughts there. Yeah, that, that's really exciting for uh, for us here in uh, Hartford. Uh, Chris is, is obviously a great hockey man, uh, a tremendously astute, uh, intelligent hockey guy. So uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing what uh, maybe his personal stamp might be on uh, this uh, organization, both uh, you know, coaching-wise and and uh, player-wise, and, and uh, you know, Chris. Chris seems like he. I don't know him as well as maybe you probably do, or, or uh, other people around the Ranger organization uh, probably do. But he he seems like a real low-key guy who who doesn't draw a lot of attention to himself. You know, much like uh, uh, the Kenny Jernanders of the world, and and. Uh, when uh, when he would be around the Wolfpack uh, the last couple of years, he uh, he, he certainly didn't make a big uh, show of it, and and uh, there's a lot of times you, you wouldn't even know he was around. He just he wanted to observe and and uh, he wanted to uh, to get a, a good finger on the pulse of what was going on on the ice and off the ice without a lot of people even knowing he was there. It seemed, and uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to get to know him, hopefully a little bit better, work a little uh, more closely with him, and. Uh, you know, again, when you talk about Jim Schoenfeld, uh, uh, like uh, Kenny Jernander, it's uh, it's an amazing accomplishment and a, and a real credit to him to have uh, uh, been able to be in that same role for as long as uh, he was since the 2003-04 uh, and, and to, to have uh, so much success. And, and the, the thing that amazed me about Shoney was the, was the, the many hats that he always wore. It was never just uh, a Wolfpack general manager on his uh business card. It was always the uh, New York Rangers assistant general manager, assistant coach for a while, yeah. uh, uh, player personnel. So uh, I always uh, kidded Tony about that. Uh, about that there, was, there wasn't going to be enough room on that business card for all his roles, but uh, I'm certainly uh, you know grateful to have worked uh, so long and so closely for the guy like uh, uh, Shoney as well, who's, uh, who's taught me a ton about what, uh, what I do and, and the ins and outs of the hockey business. 
Bob Crawford, the voice of the Hartford Wolfpack, longtime voice of the Hartford Wolfpack, is our guest this week on Blue Shirt Radio. Follow him on Twitter, at Hawk Crawford. So before we get into some of the prospects and some of the questions from the fans about some of the guys who may be competing for spots next year or down the road, I want to talk to you about Tanner Glass, who came up and was nothing but a tremendously positive presence with the Rangers at the end of the season and when he had his opportunities in the postseason against Montreal and Ottawa. Again, I'm not, this doesn't surprise me. I know Tanner real well. I know the kind of quality person he is. And I knew when he went down to Hartford this year that it was going to be in only the most positive of ways. Even if he never got called up to the Rangers again, I knew that it was going to be a positive experience in Hartford, not only for him, but for those around him and how he would affect and lead the younger players there. Uh, If you could, could you touch on Tanner's season in Hartford and not so much what he did on the ice, but what he did for that team in the room and and as a leader, uh, you know, especially with the younger players. Yeah, I think uh, you, you pretty much just crystallized it right there uh, uh, tremendously. I mean, the word, the word is positive, and, and uh, uh, it, it's, it's hard to imagine how difficult it is for a guy like that who's spent so long in the NHL and given so much of his heart and soul uh, to uh, whatever team he might have happened to be with at the NHL level to find himself uh, back in the AHL, not and not really uh, through any fault of his own, just the fact that... Uh, uh, maybe there wasn't a spot for him on the NHL roster or uh, there wasn't as much of a need for what he brings to the table. But uh, he never uh, never breathed a word of uh, negativity or disappointment. And you know, We've seen guys uh, over the years come down to the AHL that, uh, uh, that really had a tough time ever getting their heads around the fact that, uh, that they were in the AHL and they could be a, a real burden on their AHL team. And uh, Tanner was the absolute opposite of that uh, from from day one uh, not only in, in the way he went about his business but the way he dealt with uh, with everyone from fellow players to staff to uh, to fans uh, just uh, a tremendously uh, upbeat guy approaching things uh, uh, the right way all the time and that that's so important uh, for for young guys coming up 19 20 21 year old guys so uh, look to a player like uh, glass uh, not only for his experience, but but also uh, the, the presence that he exudes, uh, the way he always approached the game, in, in terms of always doing the the hard, gritty, physical work, and and he was he was more than happy. He he played the exact same game with the Wolfpack that he plays in, in the NHL, which is not is is not an easy game to play uh, night after night, uh, physically or mentally. Is you know in the AHL when you're playing three games in three days and. Uh, maybe it's uh, the divisional rivalry game at three o'clock on a Sunday when it's your third game in three days, and you know it's going to be a battle. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough to bring that same game in a situation like that, and and he always did it. And uh, it was certainly no surprise to me or to the Wolfpack coaching staff or anybody who had watched the Wolfpack closely uh, what a what a positive contribution he made to uh, the Rangers when when he got that call back. Getting to our tweets from the fans at Surly Sailor sent me a tweet this week 
about uh, the guys who ended up being the top two scorers on on the Hartford Wolfpack this season. Uh, Taylor Beck, who we saw up with the Rangers at the very end of the season, got a little taste. Of course, a guy that does have NHL experience, had 66 points this season combined for two teams. And Nicholas Jensen, who we've talked a lot about these last couple years since uh, you know, he came over from Vancouver, a guy that scored a career-high 32 goals this year, played a little bit in the NHL, I thought handled himself well. Uh, at Surly Sailor asks, do you see Beck and Jensen, who are both restricted free agents, coming back? And do you think either can compete for a full-time spot in the NHL? What do you think, Bob? Uh, I don't uh, have any inside information as to what uh, either of those guys' plans are in terms of coming back or the the organization's plans to uh, uh, to resign them, but uh, I, I certainly—it's hard to say on Beck. It wasn't a, a whole heck of a long time he played with the, the Wolfpack, uh, just a total of 16 games after the, the trade deadline deal. But we'd seen quite a bit of him the year before when he was with Bridgeport uh, and, and really did a number on the Wolfpack in uh, several different games. Uh, and both, I would say both he and Jensen uh, play fairly similar styles. They're both really strong on the puck, uh, uh, really good from the top of the circles on in. Uh, I think maybe Beck a little bit more of a setup man uh, than a finisher. Uh, Jensen was a big-time finisher uh, for the Wolfpack. But they, they both look like NHL players to me, uh, good size, uh, decent speed. Uh, I, I think Jensen's a, a real good skater at the AHL level and, and doesn't look like it wouldn't translate uh, to the NHL. You know, it's, I think for both of them, it's the old conundrum of, of uh, a top six guy in the AHL and, and could they transition to being a bottom six player uh, in uh, the NHL. Uh, you know, they, Jensen in particular really looks like an NHL player to me. I've seen more of him than I have of Beck. Uh, just a, a, a real strong guy, uh, can really fire the puck. He scored a a lot of goals for the Wolfpack, uh, like you see uh, most NHL goals scored now where he, he was able to put the puck in a real small space with the, a real hard shot and a, a quick release. I think uh, maybe I, I sort of liken him to a guy like P.A. Parento, uh, who spent so much time in the minor leagues before he was able to break through uh, full-time. Maybe a guy that, that has to get a little bit more north-south in his game and, and uh take a, a little bit of the, the chance-taking element out of his game. You know, he's a, a player in the, in the AHL that's counted on to generate offense and, and maybe uh, takes a few too many uh, chances, a few too many high-risk plays for the liking of, of NHL scouts and NHL organizations. I would hope if he was playing in the NHL full-time, he would, he would get that out of his game and, and become uh, a simpler, maybe more straight-ahead player because I think if, if he did that, uh, he would be you know, more than a decent NHL player. You know, it's interesting. I, I could throw a third guy into the very similar conversation as Beck and Jensen, uh, and that's Merrick Griffith, who is an unrestricted free agent uh, this offseason. Again, I know you don't know. I don't know what his plans are going to be. I'd argue that he's probably best served probably going to a, to a new organization and maybe getting a real shot, maybe a team that's a, an organization that's not as deep up front, especially down the middle as the New York Rangers are, to maybe finally get that opportunity as a fourth liner because he's progressively gotten better and better each season in his all-around game. Certainly his offensive numbers have gotten better every year. But the stretch that he played with the New York Rangers this season at the NHL level, 
Uh, to me, he showed that at, at worst, he can be a fourth-line player. But again, Rivik, Jensen, Beck, all three of these guys, they're kind of caught in between. Are they tweeners or are they going to end up being NHL players? And of course, only time will tell. But I guess your thoughts on Merrick Rivik as well. Yeah, he, he's uh, maybe not uh, the quite the point producer that Jensen or, or Beck have been over the course of their uh, AHL careers. But yeah, guy, the guy who has a a nice package of he's he's plenty big enough, he's plenty strong enough, he can skate well enough. Uh, the worry about Rivik, I think, his first couple of years was he was a little bit too fragile. He kept getting hurt all the time. But uh, the last two years, knock on wood for him, uh, that's been no issue. He's gotten through the long season, the long grind of his season, uh, no problem at all. And yeah, I think uh, you know he'd be a guy definitely. And he's he's played both wings as well as uh, I think. Center is, is his most natural position, but he can play the wing as well. And yeah, when you look at uh, fourth line role in, in the NHL, the way a, a lot of the teams uh, are constructing their rosters, yeah, be a, a good guy who could uh, who could play some center, play some wing, win some faceoffs, uh, kill penalties, and, and and the biggest thing to me is is those kind of guys, Beck, Jensen, and Rivik, look like they could keep up at that level. They're not. Uh, they're not going to be guys that are going to get going to get lost at the pace of the NHL, even if they're uh, they happen to find themselves out there against other teams' top groups. At John Muro seventy seven sends in a tweet uh, says, "How do you feel about Adam Tambellini, who was a second <clears throat> excuse me second year pro this year?" Uh, his numbers were better offensively. Obviously, you see him every day. I don't. I just see the numbers. Uh, the thing that stands out to me is he still seems to have the build of a boy. He, it seems like he hasn't grown into his man's body just yet. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing for him is just physically getting bigger and, and stronger because we know that he's got a, uh, certainly a very, very good skill set. Yeah, definitely. In terms of uh, shooting the puck and, and skating, there's no issue there. Um, and yeah, he's uh, he's long, but he's definitely not heavy. And uh, in in the AHL, if if, if, it's a, if it was a skating and uh, back and forth game, uh, that was it was good for him. If it was a heavy grinding game, it was not so good for him. And and you wonder too, uh, like is, is is he just going to be one of those guys that that uh, has a hard time keeping meat on his bones or is he like uh, you talked about just just still uh his, his strength is boy strength and he's going to get some man strength uh, or more man strength here uh going forward as he gets older still real real young guy uh, great hockey bloodlines and and i look at his his the older brother jeff who is a, a real good uh, ahl player and a pretty good nhl player as well with a, had a kind of a totally different build he was uh more of a fire plug uh, type uh strength battling guys so uh, i think if, if if adam over the next couple of years uh adds a little bit more of that to his uh his physical package then uh then he might there might be uh, uh some real upside to him because uh he is a real good skater uh he can finish and uh and he's a, is a good kid that uh, uh approaches things the right way as well appreciate Bob Crawford joining us to talk about the Hartford Wolfpack and some of the Rangers' top prospects and, you know, guys that may be competing for jobs next year. And 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 Bob, Elan Vigneault at his final press conference on breakup day uh, talked about the Rangers getting younger on defense next year. And, you know, there are rumors about buyouts and veteran defensemen maybe, you know, shifting down, maybe going from top 
four pair or top two pairings down to a third pairing. And AV mentioned more playing time for Brady Shea next year, more responsibility. But he kept emphasizing younger, younger defensemen. We're going to infuse this lineup with younger defensemen. Now, the Rangers went out and signed a couple uh, free agent younger defensemen that you would think are going to be in Hartford next year, but but you never know. See what happens in training camp. But the one guy that the fans are most excited about uh, is Ryan Graves. And uh, one of them, at Lightfire Rob, uh, wants to know your opinion. Do you think that he can make it out of camp this year? Do you think he's NHL ready at this point? Now, he's a, he's played two years pro so far, certainly has good size, real heavy shot, was an AHL All-Star two years ago. There have been some real good things, and he's a guy that you know Ranger fans have really kept their eye on. Rangers may need a righty D. I know he's a lefty, but tell us more about Ryan Graves. Yeah, he, he's certainly a, a tantalizing package of skills. Again, a great big guy, and uh, like you said, uh, one of the, one of the better shots that you're going to see in the American Hockey League, and uh, certainly he'd, he'd be competitive for one of the harder ones in uh, the NHL. Um, you know, he's, uh, the, the offensive end is, is no problem for him. He's a he's a good power play guy and, and a dangerous player. I think he's he's still figuring out the the defensive game. I think uh, uh, the coaches here in Hartford would have liked to see him use his size a little bit more. It's, it's funny, he's, uh, he's such a nice kid. Like he, he doesn't have a lot of meanness to him in terms of, I think, the way he uh, approaches the life, which is great. And uh, maybe, maybe he, uh, he'd be well-served by, by trying to uh, develop a little bit more of a mean streak on the ice. But, again, like, like I said about Tambellini, he's still, still very young, and, and often it, it, it you know, takes defensemen a little bit longer uh, to figure out. He certainly didn't have a sophomore slump this year. His, uh, his numbers were just as good as uh, last year, except for in the plus-minus column, and, and a lot of guys took a beating in that statistic with the way the Wolfpack <laughs> was uh, this year. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, – I, I remember talking to Keith McCambridge, uh, the uh, the Wolfpack's uh, assistant coach, about guys like Graves and John Gilmore, too, uh, uh, both of whom played in all 76 of the Wolfpack's games this year and played in all different types of situations, power play and penalty kill – uh, the whole nine yards, and, and certainly took their lumps in the defensive zone at times. But uh, uh, both really skilled guys that can can do a lot of things with the puck and a lot of things uh, with their feet. And and uh, the key sign to me was, you know, we can we can always work on teaching the defensive zone. That that is teachable. But what these guys have skill wise, you can't teach. So uh, I would say, you know, is Ryan Graves NHL ready for this year? I don't know if I'm ready to say that, but uh, he could surprise me. And and uh, the, with with his his skill and talent package and his development curve, I, I wouldn't bet against him in in the not so distant future. That's good stuff. He is Bob Crawford, voice of the Hartford Wolfpack. Follow him on Twitter at Hawk Crawford. Bob, thanks so much for uh, your insight here, and maybe we'll chat a little bit later on in the summer as things begin to shape up before camp. Sounds good, Jim. Thanks a lot. Blue 
Blue Shirt Bulletin is the only independent monthly magazine covering the New York Rangers. Currently celebrating its 25th anniversary, Blue Shirt Bulletin features commentary from the hockey maven Stan Fischler, as well as current coverage from beat reporter Scott Charles and yours truly. In addition, Jess Rubenstein has you covered with all you need to know about prospects in the Rangers system. Blue Shirt Bulletin is published 10 times per year. For subscription information, please email subscribers at blueshirtbulletin.com. And don't forget to check out daily Rangers coverage on blueshirtbulletin.com, now including the Blue Shirt Bullet Points after each and every game. And don't forget to follow Blue Shirt Bulletin on Twitter at NYRBlueBulletin. Jim Cerny with you back here on Blue Shirt Radio. We head into our final segment on this week's podcast, and we thank Bob Crawford for joining us in the last segment. Uh, We got to a lot of fans' tweets and comments already, but I want to get to more of them now, kind of rapid-fire fashion. Think of it as, uh, you know, a phone call talk show, and the lines are open, so you take over this final segment on this week's show. Again, tweet me at Jim Cerny moving forward and throughout the entire offseason, and we'll get to as many of your tweets on a regular basis week after week as we go through the expansion draft and NHL draft and free agency agency, prospect development camp, everything that goes on in the offseason. Hit me up at Jim Cerny. So Unreal Rejo uh, asks, any details on Robin Kovacs? Seems like he came over from Sweden perhaps a little bit too early. Well, that probably would have been a better question for our good buddy uh, Bob Crawford. But I can tell you that Robin Kovacs was given pretty much every opportunity to succeed this year. He played in almost every game down at Hartford. I think 72 of the 76 games he played. And, you know, he really struggled. Uh, Physically, it was hard for him to to keep up. Uh, Skill-wise, it was difficult for him to keep up. So he had a really good prospect development camp for the Rangers. And then, you know, when he went to the American League, whether he wasn't ready or whether he's just not going to be a North American player, uh, time will tell. But he had two goals, 12 points, was a minus 27 uh, this past season for Hartford. So um, he struggled. So did Malte Stromwell, who came over from Sweden. Malte's a little bit older, a couple years older than Robin Kovacs. And the Ranger organization thought that he would acclimate better and quicker than Kovacs. uh, And he did. He played fewer games. He was banged up. He was hurt. Um, But he really didn't play to the level uh, that the organization hoped he would either. So, um, you know, we'll see what the plan is for them moving forward. You would assume Kovacs will be back at Hartford next season, give another whack at it, and then probably be evaluated at the end of uh, next season. Uh, Jonathan tweets at me, says, uh, the Rangers' most recent signing, Dawson Lidal, uh, thoughts and reports on him. Well, obviously I'm talking about a player here who I've never seen play. 
Uh, you know, he's a Western Hockey League kid, played for Everett for several seasons under Kevin Constantine, former San Jose Sharks head coach. Uh, so good pedigree there. Uh, apparently, from all that I've heard and researched and read, uh, he, he was a good defensive player. Big kid, big, strong kid, undrafted, obviously, um, but played a good, you know, pretty good two-way game under Kevin Constantine. Now this year, you know, he got traded uh, to Regina in the Western League, and they just lost uh, in the Western Hockey League uh, finals to Ryan Gropp's Seattle Thunderbirds. So that's why Ryan Gropp in Seattle moving on to the Memorial Cup. Uh, Dawson Lidal's season is now over, but boy, it was a real good season for him. He played under John Paddock, who is a former NHL head coach, longtime American Hockey League head coach, and a guy that played a little bit more of an open offensive style than Kevin Constantine did uh, with Everett. And Liddell, as an overaged player in the Western Hockey League, really had uh, far and away his best season offensively. 35 goals, 89 points uh, in 71 games. And then in the playoffs, that continued. 12 goals, 13 assists, 25 points in 23 games in the Western Hockey League playoffs. Uh, combined in the playoffs and the regular season, he also totaled 155 penalty minutes. He's a kid that's willing to drop the gloves. Uh, he's big physical guy, gets in on the four check, and he showed some scoring touch this year. Two things to take pause with here. One, he's an undrafted kid, and you don't know until they turn pro, you know, is he just a late bloomer? Uh, is he, is there a reason? Is there a bigger reason? Is his skating perhaps of why he wasn't drafted? And then the second thing to take pause about is, uh, you know, he was an overage kid this year in the Western League, 21 years old. So he's playing against, in some cases, 18 year olds, 19 year olds. So you expect him to put up a big year. So don't hold that against him. You know, it's good. He did what he was supposed to do. He produced, and he came through with his best season as an overager. Ditto for Ryan Gropp. He came through with 35 goals, 49 assists, 84 points in 66 games. His best career numbers in the Western Hockey League. But he was an overage kid, too. He's 20, about to turn 21. So he did what he was supposed to do, both Ladal and Gropp. But keep in mind that they were overagers. The big test comes now at the American Hockey League level. And I think that's where Dawson Liddell is uh, is ticketed for next season. Learn the pro game. Uh, you know, Again, he's a physical guy, so he's a big physical guy. So I think he's going to be able to handle that American Hockey League style. Uh, John Paddock, I read a story on Liddell. John Paddock called Liddell a warrior. Anytime you're called that, I don't care what level of hockey you're participating in, you get called a warrior, I like it. So listen, you know, Rangers trying to catch a little lightning in bottle here. You know, undrafted kids, you know, they they signed uh, the defenseman Neil Pionk from Minnesota Duluth. Undrafted kid, two good years at Minnesota Duluth. What's he going to be? At the NHL level, we'll see. Maybe he was just a late bloomer. We'll see. Certainly had a terrific year this year. Alexei uh, Baraglazov, the Russian kid, the 23-year-old that's been playing in the uh, Continental Hockey League. Let's see what he's got. Is he also a late bloomer? He wasn't drafted. But now he's played a couple years pro in the KHL in Russia. 
Let's see what he's got next year. Ditto for Dawson Liddell. So, Jonathan, thanks for that question. Uh, John Muro 77 asks about the progress of Sean Day, who was the Rangers' top pick, albeit a third-rounder last year. Uh, he had a good year, 63 games, 15 goals, 37 points, uh, playing in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, because he's with Windsor, and Windsor is hosting the Memorial Cup, Sean Day will be able to play in the Memorial Cup this year. So two of the Rangers' top prospects in Day and Grop will both be taking part uh, in in the Memorial Cup. And listen, anytime you get your top prospects playing in the biggest games, that is nothing but a good thing. But as far as Day coming along, heard good things about his game this season. Certainly the Rangers want him to be uh, turning pro next year. They want him in their system. I know fans are excited. You know, is he going to be in that mix? Can he play at the NHL level? I'd say too soon. I think you want him first in the American League. Let him develop his game, especially defensemen. They develop, you know, it takes him a little longer to develop. And in Day's case, you want him to learn how to get into peak conditioning as well uh, because that's been a knock against him in the past. Um, but that's Sean Day and his season. And, and we'll see how he and Grop fare in the Memorial Cup. Certainly a great opportunity there. More on Ryan Grop. Uh, at Kevin Kreiser wants to know how realistic is Ryan Gropp's chances of making the team out of camp uh, this season? And he means the NHL. And I don't think that the Rangers can look at Ryan Gropp as a real true NHL possibility next season based on this year. You know, we talk about, you know, he ended up with good numbers uh, this season with Seattle. And they're going to the Memorial Cup. All of that is great. But Ryan Gropp was ticketed to play with the Hartford Wolfpack this season. And he did not have a good training camp and ended up getting sent back for an overage year in the Western Hockey League. That was not in the plans. That is not what the Rangers wanted from Ryan Gropp this season. Now, he got off to a slow start there. Then he clicked with Matthew Barzell, the Islanders' first-round pick. Uh, That seemed to pick up his game offensively. He had a very strong second half to the season. He's had a good playoff as well. Again, caution, overage kid. So, you know, let's let's just see what he's going to be when he turns pro next year. Um, But by turning pro, Rangers are going to give him a long look because he's one of their top prospects. But by giving him a long look, I don't mean that a long look to be an NHL or next season. I, I don't see that coming out of training camp, especially when you look at the depth of the New York Rangers. And, and for Grop to be an NHL player, an effective NHL player, it's probably got to be a top six forward. I don't see a top six spot yet for Ryan Grop. So I'd expect to see him, uh, you know, with Ladal, for example, at the minor league level next year in uh, Hartford. Now, other people chimed in about Ryan Gropp on Twitter. Jeff Mayer uh, says, listen, Jim, Gropp is not that fast. He's a perimeter guy, soft, big kid. He doesn't like to get to the dirty areas. Uh, Tobias Peterson uh, chimes in. He definitely got plenty of free points on the power play uh, with Matthew Barzell, but he did play with another center for much of the second half of the season. Um, He upped his game as the season went along. So 
Those are some fans that are out West and have gotten a look at Ryan Gropp. Obviously, I don't get to see him on an everyday basis. I read the stories. I, I you know, see highlights of him. But I don't get to see him on an everyday basis. So um, thank you to those fans checking in from out West on the play of Ryan Gropp and sharing their observations. And, you know, we'll see where he is next year. Uh, now, as for the current team. We've talked a lot about the prospects and the minor leaguers. Our last couple tweets, and again, remember to keep tweeting me throughout the week at Jim Cerny, and throughout the summer we'll get to your tweets right here on Blue Shirt Radio. At Dan Green 88 uh, wants to know, is making a move for Ilya Kovalchuk a good idea for the Rangers? What could the potential cost to the New Jersey Devils be? Well, here's the thing. I don't see the Devils trading Kovalchuk within the division. They first have to sign him, and then they would trade him. Um, You know, what can they get for him? The Devils probably are looking at a mid-round pick, maybe a third-rounder. That's kind of my guess. Uh, I, I don't see it being higher. If they ever traded him, and I don't think that they would within the division, I think they would ask for more. They'd ask for a player, or they'd ask for a second-round pick. But I think they're probably going to get somewhere in a third-round pick range. You know, Kovalchuk's in his mid-30s now. If you're the New York Rangers, is he the missing piece? Still a great player. Just won a championship in Russia. Where is he at, though? Is he a 40-goal guy now, still? 35? 30? He's got to be at least a 30-goal guy if you're the New York Rangers and you want to plug him into your top six. Again, I don't think that they're going to get him. I don't think the Devils will trade Kovalchuk within the division. But if you're Jeff Gordon, you got to nose around. you got to ask. Kovalchuk doesn't want to play with the Devils. So where is he going to end up? Would he like New York? Would he thrive in New York? What does he have left at 35? How much of an NHL sniper is he still? Because he was one of the great ones when he was with Atlanta and certainly uh, those early years with the New Jersey Devils, his first you know couple years, first couple go-rounds with the Devils. He was one of the elite snipers in the game. Where is he at? Boy, maybe put him on a, thir- a third line, let Kevin Hayes feed him. Maybe he is a 30-35 goal guy still. I don't think the Rangers are going to get him, though, Dan. Uh, at Surly Sailor proposes this. Since Edmonton is looking to ship off Jordan Eberle, could you see a swap for Rick Nash? And then he says, hold on, here's the explanation. New York would get a top six right-handed shot that's signed for two more years. Edmonton gets a top six forward on an expiring contract who helps them with cap space to re-sign Connor McDavid down the road after his cap hit uh, comes off the books. Usually... I'm not crazy about proposed trades from fans. Usually they're unrealistic, don't make sense. Surly Sailor here gives us a well-thought-out trade. I'm not sure Edmonton wants Rick Nash or his $7.5 million cap hit, even if it's only for one year. But you could make the argument that maybe Rick Nash is a fit there. Maybe plays on their third line, be a power play guy, kill penalties as well. 15, 16 minutes a night, real good in the room, veteran guy. There aren't a ton of real veteran guys on that Edmonton roster. Rick Nash? Maybe. Maybe. I I don't think this is a terrible idea. 
now it comes down to what do you think about Jordan Eberle? Can Jordan Eberle refine his game? Get traded to the New York Rangers, you know, play with some new line mates, get out of Edmonton where clearly things are kind of going sour there. Uh, certainly they're not happy with him. Comes to New York, maybe refine, you know, he finds the magic again. It's not a terrible idea, Surly Sailor has. I- I'm not sure I see it happening, but I like the thinking. Now, at Agent Smith 212 says, I don't trust the Rangers trading Rick Nash because in previous trades of, you know, moving guys for cap reasons or guys that were due contracts coming up in Can Talbot and Carl Haglin, at Agent Smith 212 says, they got squat for Haglin and Talbot. I don't have the faith in Jeff Gordon, he's saying, I'm paraphrasing here, to get a good return for Rick Nash. So that's his take. And uh, finally, at Colin Spezio, do you think the Rangers could move Girardi or Stahl and try and sign a top six forward? Or could they move Derek Stepan? We talked a lot about this last week. Listen, I think either Girardi or Stahl is going to be bought out. I think it's going to be Dan Girardi. So there goes one of your veteran defensemen. Mark Stahl's almost untradeable with that contract. Here in my thinking is the one place maybe I could see him getting dealt. But I don't think it's happening. But I think it, at least it's within the realm of possibility. And that's Vegas. Vegas has to reach the cap floor. Okay? Not the ceiling. They have to reach a cap floor. So they're going to have to have a team that mixes in some veterans with a, a higher salary cap hit. Mark Stahl could provide veteran leadership on the back line, you know, maybe play in your top four, not in your top pairing, but in among your top four defensemen, be a good veteran leader, be, you know, an assistant captain, maybe even be the captain of your team. It's not terrible if you're Vegas. You know, not a terrible. I, I think that there are other teams that would have interest in trading, you know, one of their veteran guys uh, that has a high cap hit that maybe doesn't fit in anymore on their team. Vegas is going to be fielding offers from a lot of teams, not just the New York Rangers, about players like this. But would they consider Mark Stahl? Maybe. Yeah, what, what would they give the Rangers back? You know, maybe a low-round draft pick? Listen, if you're the Rangers, I think you almost take anything to free up cap space, and then create an opportunity maybe for re-signing Brendan Smith or maybe taking a run at a Kevin Shattenkirk, you know, if that's the road you want to go down and and put your money and put your eggs in that basket. I don't think it's going to happen. Plus, Marsal has a no-movement clause, so of course... Uh, You know, the Rangers would have to negotiate that with Stahl as well. Would he want to go to Vegas? I'm hunching probably not. I'm thinking Mark Stahl is going to be on the Rangers' third defensive pair next year. But again, gets you thinking. Colin Spezio with a good uh, tweet there and a a good way for us to wrap up this week's show where we got in a lot of questions, a lot of commentary, a lot of debate, and the fans really heavily involved in the show. Make sure to keep tweeting me at Jim Cerny in the weeks ahead, and we'll get to your tweets on the show. And it leads to great debate and conversation, as we had with uh, with Bob Crawford today as well. So thanks to Bob for joining the show. We'll be back next week with more of Blue Shirt Radio. Hey, enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs. Sink your teeth in to the Senators and Penguins, everybody. 
And on that sarcastic note, I'll say, see you next week with more Blue Shirt Radio.